Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to One Up, delivered through the AI podcast channel. In the last one, I promised the next one would be the one reviewing E3. I lied! <laughs> We've got one before E3 again, but there has been quite a lot of news and stuff that um, is involved with E3, but it's kind of been broken beforehand. And me and Carl thought might as well, because there's no football to talk about anymore. Well, there is, but... Not as much as there was back then, um, but Carl, have a decent weekend by any chance? I did indeed, Guy. I think a, a certain team picked up a, a certain trophy and, and became champions of a certain continent, you know, so I'm sure, you know, a lot of our listeners, just like the both of us, are on cloud nine at the moment, so uh, I think it's a, it's, it's a good good chance to, to keep that good feeling going with with some uh some some games talk mm, that is of course the toronto raptors winning the western conference <laughs> eastern conference <laughs> eastern conference i mean I, I screwed that up um but yes uh, this is obviously good to go out um before e3 but people may listen to it during e3 and stuff like that this will be a news heavy show and we'll just react to it um so carl we got a certain almost a a starter for the for e3 with the well nintendo or pokemon direct however they worded it pokemon direct and we got a lot more details on pokemon sword and shield that we did i'd like to think of this as kind of you know, it's tough to, to put a date on when E3 actually starts because technically it doesn't actually start till the, the, the show floor opens up and people are there then. So technically it's all pre-E3 now, but for, for us kind of, and you know, the, the media, it is, uh, this is E3. It's what it's all about when things start to be revealed. And um, for bizarrely, Nintendo, despite having their usual E3 direct next week, decided that, Pokemon deserved its own direct and you know who are we to complain it's it's more news so uh, I think it's best to to, to co- start with just covering kind of the the story and um, this one comes from Tom Phillips over at Eurogamer 
Pokemon Sword and Shield features open world area with multiplayer raid battles. Pokemon Sword and Shield will launch on the 15th of November worldwide. Today's dedicated Nintendo Direct has confirmed. A 15-minute look at the games revealed several new Pokemon and the big new mechanic Dynamax, which sees the Pokemon grow enormous in size during battles. Think Mega Evolution, but just a larger version of the same Pokemon. But most exciting was the unveiling of the game's overworld, simply named the Wild Area, where trainers can explore, battle wild Pokemon, and link up with friends to battle raid bosses. The latter idea is lifted straight from Pokemon Go, where players work together to fight a boss, then each get a chance of catching it. Some Pokemon will only be found in these raids, named Max Raid Battles, You'll be able to battle together with friends over both local wireless and Wi-Fi play, which will, of course, require a Nintendo Online subscription. New Pokemon include the sheep Pokemon Wooloo, like Mareep with a perm, the flowery Gossifer, similar to Bellasum, which evolves into Eldegoss, like Jumpluff, the Rhyhorn-like Dreadnought, and the Murkrow-like Corvi Knight, which will fly the player around to towns they have previously visited. Each game's legendary is a wolf, either the sword-wielding Zassion, probably butchered that, and shield-bearing <laughs> Zamazenta. And you can read Tom's full story over on Eurogamer. So yeah, that that was a very tough story to read with all those Pokemon names that I've I no thought clue you how did to well. pronounce. I thought but, you did uh, well with the pronunciations. <laughs> uh, sorry, continue. But, yeah. So what what did you think of the reveal, guy? I want to play Pokemon. <laughs> That's about it. Oh, I, oh God, I can't wait for this game. I there's so many games. Obviously, we're gonna. Uh, talk about some of some releases that came out before E3 as well but this game has just gone straight to the top of the list and there's not much else that could knock it off that it's, there's a sheep that's going to be an absolute bastard I know it is it's going to be the new mill tank anyone who played Pokemon Silver and struggled with that cow bastard knows what I'm on about um, yeah it, I just, just looking forward to this game it just looks like the real next evolution of of Pokemon, obviously, um, Pikachu and Eevee were kind of a a kind of taster for the next generation. Whereas now this is now this is the full fledged game bringing it into the Nintendo Switch era and probably beyond. Because it just I know we've talked about it on previous pods and we had the previous Nintendo Direct which shown it and stuff like that. But this one it just it just kind of felt more like a real game and it was almost you could almost feel the game. Uh, and yeah, I I just can't wait. I really can't wait. Just everything in it. That snapping turtle Pokemon bastard looked like he he looks like the one I want because he they are he just looks like a big heavy headed twat. Yeah, I, I mean the the crow really stood out to me, and I, I thought it was really like this this crow looks badass and scary, and then the next minute it's like oh it's like a taxi service and it like carries you around the world. I was like that's bizarre, but oh, I mean it, it just uh, it, it's exactly what I kind of wanted in a, a Pokemon. I know a lot of people were kind of hoping for kind of a, a, maybe a, a 
bigger step up graphically or maybe a new visual style perhaps but I mean I, I like the look of it it, it, it seems that the open world looks very open from what we've seen today it seems to centralize around like kind of one big city which which looks obviously London inspired um, I'm sure there are maybe some smaller villages and towns with, with, with gyms and that in them but you know, to, to have a like, kind of a central city, I think, is a good fit for a Pokemon game. The the raid battles are something that are, are really interesting to me because, I mean, my friends and I would would play Pokemon games together generally over the years, and and we've been talking this one up and kind of getting back into it with this one. But you know, while meeting up and battling every now and again is a good laugh, to be able to to take on these raid together like you know just just makes it all the better i mean kind of it, it enhances the the multiplayer side of things so i mean it, it's just uh, i i really can't wait i mean i i didn't even need to see anything on this game and i was still gonna buy it but yeah. this just just makes me even more excited and i mean it, it's it was strange that they chose to because usually obviously nintendo for their e3 directs have focused largely on one game and then kind of had little bits about other games, and we all thought Pokemon was probably going to be that game, but obviously it's not having you know been been out on its own. And but I suppose that matches on on the flip side with what they've generally done with Pokemon, because Pokemon seems to always get its own platform, and obviously that's that's down to you know kind of Game Freak being their own thing and the Pokemon company. And you know while Pokemon is a Nintendo game, it's also not a Nintendo game, so to speak. So mm. um, I, I suppose it makes sense, but I mean, it, I like how they done it. I, I think it was a, a good direct. It, it it didn't overstay its welcome, but it it kind of every bit of information it, it threw out felt worthwhile. I would have maybe liked to see a handful of more Pokemon. Not not that they kind of make or break the game, but, uh, you know, kind of because some of the ones we've seen look kind of interesting. Um, I'm, I was very intrigued that we're getting another sheep Pokemon, considering one of my favorite Pokemon of all time is Mareep. So, you know, can't can't have a, ever have enough sheep. So, exactly. and I'm, I'm sure we might get kind of more on this now whether it's another direct later in the summer or at the very least you kind of a little bit of information kind of in press releases and that i'm, I'm sure we'll get something but um no i think it's a, a as far as the start of the the e3 news rush goes i i think this this direct today was a a good start yeah yeah absolutely i think it's a perfect way to kick off the E3, well, lo- very long weekend, considering we're recording this on the Wednesday. Um, yeah, it's um, it's it's just it's just perfect because as you as you mentioned, you could literally release Pokemon without any details. I'd probably buy it tomorrow. <laughs> um, never mind where it, it, it it's grabbed me like this, and I'm genuinely looking forward to this game so much. It's just amazing. And on the direct, we had a bloke with two watches, which is always interesting that that caught my eye quite a bit two watches my man uh on the same wrist as well <laughs> the same wrist that is a that is some big dick energy right there <laughs> uh, right um well we don't know how long this pod will take i mean there was quite a bit on pokemon that we uh haven't 
really mentioned. Um, in, t- in terms of the big-ass Pokemon, I can't remember what the term was. <laughs> uh, Dynamaxing. Dynamaxing, that's it. The most... I don't, know, I don't know what I don't know how to describe it, but it's just the most mannish word ever without being mannish at all. <laughs> but yeah, we get Dynamax in Pokemon, which is just putting steroids into your Pokemon, and he goes big for a few go- for three turns, I think they said. Um is is this just um Nintendo's way on I can't remember the t- the people who make it. Um is this just their version of um trying to add different things into the game to make it different to all the Pokemon games? Because going from red red silver and all the ones we grew up with i think like x went in a different way and is this this the modern spin on trying something different yeah i think so i mean i think it's it's difficult with with pokemon you know if they just i don't i'm not sure that the series would be as big as it is now if they just simply released a new game with a different region and different pokemon every every year i mean they have to to kind of add new things and innovate because you know it, it, it's just going to get stale i mean it, it that's why we we don't generally get even even with other rpgs we, we don't generally get just the, the same rinse and repeat turn-based rpgs anymore because you know in the end it's it's and this is coming from someone who loves rpgs it, it is going to get tiresome so uh, i think it's it's no surprise obviously kind of in earlier pokemon games you've got the ability to kind of have your pokemon walk around behind you and um little things like that 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 kind of added to it but but now they, they've probably kind of they've used up those, those kind of the simple things they can do so they they have to to kind of think outside of the box and i think that's why obviously with the in the last gen of Pokemon games, we got Mega Evolutions, and obviously um, Sun and Moon decided to do away with gyms. For although they they appear to be back, obviously in bigger readers, Sword and Shield. Yeah, they they, they look pretty epic. So uh, I mean, obviously that this Dynamaxing thing and the and the raid battles are really it's it it it's approach to to standing out from from previous titles and you know as i i think they're it's a good idea i mean the the dynamaxing seems a little little gimmicky but let's be honest so are mega evolution so so is everything it, in pokemon <laughs> exactly yeah but we we love it nonetheless so no definitely this this was their approach to, to kind of putting a new spin on things and i i think it's a good it's a good approach yeah and we obviously got the um difference between um sword and shield as well where we previously speculate speculated it might be boy and girl which was doubtful but it was one of the theories going around we we've got uh two different wolves uh either sword wielding <coughs> here's my gut to pronounce it zakian this yeah i'm going with that and the shield is oh god that one zamazenta <coughs> I'm giving myself a 6 out of 10 for that. Um, I can barely do English, never mind made-up gibberish names. But we finally got the difference. Um, I saw, uh, they mentioned um, they were offering a special deal where they had um, both games in a special edition thing. So, do do you think they'll try and mark it as worth getting both games? Or do you think it'll just be like, pick your poison? I know Pokemon and Eevee was... You had different available Pokemon and stuff like that. People grew up as either a red, blue, yellow, ultra, or if you were weird and had a green 
emulator or what the hell the term is back then on the on the computer, um, like me. But yeah, people people tend to pick a side. Do you think they'll try and market it as get both games and you'll get more access, or do you think people just die on their Pokemon Hill? I I think it's a good move to offer a, a double chat because there are people that that do buy them each of them every year. I've I've never been one for that, which is strange because oh. I am kind of a, a completionist and a low CD when it comes to that kind of thing. But I think it's more because when I buy Pokemon games, it's to play with friends. So usually there's at least one friend getting it. They'll get one. I'll get the other. Um, so I'm not sure that the double packs for me, but I, I think it definitely, there, as I said, there definitely is people who go for both every year and, you know, it's going to be a no brainer for them to, to pick up that, that double pack. Um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, each of the walls will, will only be available in the respective mm. game. You but, might have to fight the other one with one or some, something. Yeah. Like or, or sometimes they've done things where like, you know, both the legendaries are in both games, but you can get one earlier in one. So let's say you get Sword, you'll be able to get Sassian or earlier, and you won't get Zamazenta till the end of the game, or, or vice versa with Shield. So it could be something like that. Um, I suppose we'll, we'll probably learn that a bit closer. It's kind of weird that Zassian just carries a sword around. Like, what if a Zassian drops his sword? <laughs> I mean, like, not fight anymore? You know, or is Zamazenta, the shield is in his face. He's like, going to be so. like a dog with a bone where he's kind of got to get it up against the wall and on the skirting board and try and get it if he can't get it angled properly. It's going to be a proper <laughs> awkward fight. It's just going to be one of them. Whereas the shield bloke just looks, just, he just looks like, like something from Army of Two. <laughs> uh, it's just... Uh, it's gonna be bad. Also, I I wonder, you know, obviously that the little video that unveiled them, it's it seemed like they were about to fight. They were scrapping with each other, mm. and then they felt something coming, and they they both seemed to 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 line up to to fight. So uh, I wonder if possibly there's a a third legendary. It's gonna be Miltank. I know that's been teased. <laughs> yeah, it takes two legendaries to beat a Miltank. Um, so obviously, I, th- I think there's there's more to see here. Obviously, we we don't even know that much about the the starter Pokemon yet. So mm. I mean, there's there's plenty of a uh, plenty of kind of things to discover as they they kept making reference to in the game's launch in November. So uh, no, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to to seeing what's what. Yeah, and uh, speaking of what what's what uh, i don't know why i went for the posh voice there uh, we are getting um, more details from google after me and you suffered i think neil did as well suffered through um their uh, presentation where they went into lots of details that didn't we didn't need um as consumers but yeah we're getting more stuff from google Yes, yeah, so this story comes from Jonathan Dornbush over on IGN. Google Stadia price launch info to be announced at Stadia Connect this week. Jonathan writes, Google is set to finally unveil more information about the Google Stadia streaming platform. It aims to debut later this year in a stream later this week. Google announced today the first ever Stadia Connect, a presentation that sounds Nintendo Direct or State of Play-esque in its naming, will air on June 6th at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 
and 6 p.m. Central Eastern Time on YouTube. Um, and, you know, it's too late in the evening for me to do the, the time workout, but you can, you can work out what is British summer time. Um, actually, it's 5 p.m. British yeah, summer Yeah, I was going to say, it's 5. <laughs> Moving on, Google yeah. promises the Stadia pricing, launching info, whether that be an exact date or simply a time frame is unclear, and game announcements will be included in the Connect. Google announced a first-party studio for Stadia development at GDC 2019, but it's unclear whether that studio will be showcasing anything it's worked on thus far. Getting out ahead of E3, Google will make good on its promise from the Google Stadia reveal keynote to offer more consumer-focused information this summer. And you can get the full story over on IGN. So, yeah, tomorrow evening, we will actually find out what we actually want to know about Stadia, like how much it's going to cost and kind of what games we can expect. Uh, I think there's already been a few leaks as to, to certain games that are coming to it, and like Des- I read something on Destiny 2 earlier and, and things like that. Um, but it'll be interesting that, as you said, we suffered through the last presentation, but this one looks like it'll be a bit more for the for the gamer rather than the the developer. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to to see what it's all about what do you think I? um yeah there's not really much to say i'm i'm gonna watch it i'm not particularly interested but i'll just watch it because there's nothing else to do <laughs> it's just <laughs> england to play it tomorrow and i couldn't give less of a toss i'm probably more excited to see virgil to be honest um <laughs> yeah it's just um yeah I'll, I'll watch it there's not really much they could do to make me um, get Stadia because I don't really have an interest in playing stuff I could play on my console, on my phone, on my laptop. Because if I'd wanted to do that, I would get a gaming computer. I think we mentioned this all um, when we uh, talked about it previously, didn't we? It, it, we just don't. I, well, I certainly don't think I don't think the world's that ready for stuff like this. And obviously, Xbox are rumored to be bringing out their version. And me being a fanboy, I'll probably be very hypocritical once we review e3 but i'm just not too bothered by by my internet's good but it's not i don't think it'd be stable enough for uh streaming a whole game and stuff like that but yeah i i just don't see it as a competition to just classic console gaming but that might be me being a bit of a dar and not accepting the next generation of gaming i suppose yeah, I mean, for me, I'm I'm interesting to to kind of see the pricing because you know, like you, if it comes down to it, I'd prefer play a game on my console. Even if games are a bit cheaper on Stadia, I'd still mm, probably fair. prefer play it on my console. But at the same time, I, I've been looking into to picking up a Chromecast for different for other reasons recently, and I mean, if I had the Chromecast there. And if there are some exclusive Stadia games, which obviously there are going to be, but ones that are actually of interest to me, if I have a Chromecast there plugged into my smart TV and, you know, if uh, you can use, you don't have to buy the Stadia controller, you can use like a PS4 controller or an Xbox controller or whatever you have, you know, if the game's there, if I can just pick it up myself and just buy that single game and I don't have to pay for like a Stadia subscription... Mm that works for me because I have a, a pretty solid internet connection. I know it's not for everyone, but mine 
would be perfectly fine for you know more than more than capable of, of streaming a 4k game so i mean for me it just really depends on the pricing if it's purely that you have to pay for a subscription yearly subscription i'm not going to play for a subscription just to get one or two games but if i could buy the games separately you know i, I definitely will so I'm, I'm hoping to see that the pricing tomorrow and obviously as well to to see the games i'm hoping they'll show one or two exclusives and obviously if they're good enough then that might be something to, to, to get me more interested in this and and you know to, to get people in general interested so you know i'm i'm, I'm curious to, to see this I'm, I'm looking forward to it might be a, a too strong a statement but i'm definitely intrigued yeah i think intrigue's probably the best one uh, the exclusives is a very good point because I, for, I forgot it's more than just a service they are going to create their own contents probably the wrong word products probably better uh, they're going to create their own games ultimately and with the backing of google whether google actually stay in for the long haul that that i think that's the main thing that will attract people to it um so yeah it'll be interesting to see what they actually have t- um tomorrow um i imagine at this stage it'll probably still just be more of assassin's creed odyssey <laughs> um playing on it but yeah, um, next bit of news. Um, Ubisoft have confirmed um, that Watchdog, Watchdogs Legions. I have forgotten how to read people. Watchdogs Legions will be at E three, which was kind of it was kind of leaked before we. I think we speculated it on the last pod, but we we spent a lot of time on Ubisoft and a lot a lot of time on Skull and Bones, which won't be there because bastards. <laughs> but what can you tell us um, about Ubisoft confirming Watchdogs Legion? Yeah, so Mariella Moon from Engadget writes, Ubisoft has confirmed reports about the next entry in its open-world hacker franchise. It is entitled Watchdog Legion. The developer has confirmed in a tweet that also contains a short teaser showing the game's logo. The company has also alluded to the other details that previously came out, particularly that the game is set in London and will allow you to play as any of the characters you recruit. Quote, God save the NPCs, end quote, Ubisoft wrote. According to an Amazon UK listing that Ubisoft posted before this announcement, you can play as anyone in the game. While the listing is no longer available, it said that the characters you recruit will apparently come with their own animations, voiceover, and character traits. Kotaku said you can even experience events differently each time simply by using a different character. Ubisoft promises to officially reveal the game and its details at E3 2019, which will run from June 11th to 13th. And you can read the full story over on Engadget. So, yeah, obviously, as as is customary for Ubisoft, their games always leak before they actually are ready to announce them. Not by a keychain uh, this time, look. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they kind of, I think this time it was the whole, uh, was it the, the lineup for uh, the E3 Coliseum leaked? So leaked a, a few different kind of games and things that there will be, I think that's where the first mention of Watch Dogs game could be wrong on that one. Um, but nonetheless, it has indeed leaked and it seems that, it, now a lot, obviously, 
this was expected. We, we talked, as you said, we talked about it on the show a few weeks ago. You know that that there was going to be a watchdog set in London. That that's been rumored for for a good while. But you know, it's it's interesting to to kind of find a little more detail about it. I mean, the the idea of being able to play as other NPCs. I mean, how's that going to work? Did you know because it's it's futuristic? Do people have like chips in their heads? And are you like hacking into their chips and and controlling them or you know, is there kind of a body hopping kind of mechanic? Mm. I mean, how, how do you see that one playing out? Um, it depends how far in the future it's set, I suppose. I mean, if, if it's set in nowadays London, I don't see how it would work. But if it's set in some kind of technological advanced future where um, people are not like cyborgs or something but maybe if it's like fully vr immersed people are in headsets and stuff like that maybe it's an easy way to take over people but maybe it, it's like robocop or something like that but may, maybe it's got a gta system where you, you you pick three characters but i've i've heard um uh, i think the main character is meant to be customizable apparently i might be wrong in that it might be another game um i've been i've been watching other e3 preview stuff um today and i'm going to be very disappointed by e3 now <laughs> but yeah it, it, maybe it's just that your character can kind of morph into something rather than you take control of a character if you get what i mean kind of like camouflage or you're a shapeshifting monster with some technology um but yeah it, it definitely sounds like an interesting thing because watchdogs 2 albeit people have said it's a lot better it just didn't really um, it didn't really grab me to get back in to, uh, to pick it up and I probably would or should but I, I, I'm struggling to finish Assassin's Creed never mind start another Ubisoft game um, so yeah it's, it, it's an interesting one but I the whole London thing even though I've never been to London weirdly it just, it just attracts me I want to play it but yeah it does, it does sound like an interesting um, re- refreshing or even a reboot of the franchise, I suppose. But yeah, but that's what Ubisoft do, don't they? They over-promise and under-deliver. Um, so that's the main worry. But it'll be interesting to actually get some proper footage of it. And apparently its narrative deals with a post-Brexit Britain. Like Brexit oh, some way ties into the story. So, you know, to, to our, our UK listeners, you could be could be seeing a vision of your future with this game. Obviously, the game will probably, we assume, launch post-Brexit anyway, unless Brexit gets delayed again, which, again, would, wouldn't really surprise us. But this isn't a, a I can't politics wait podcast. For the stories. Let's, let's not jump into it. How long do you think it's going to take for people to boycott Watchdogs because it's put post-Brexit Britain in, like, a bad light? <laughs> oh, it's going to be amazing. That's true, actually. That's, I think that's nailed on with the, the world we live in. But, I mean, I, I'm intrigued. I mean, as you say, you never really couldn't get much into Watch Dogs 2. I picked up both games, was really interested in, in playing them both, but haven't gotten around to them like many games. So, you know, maybe the third one will, will kind of do a lot of interesting things that kind of force me to, well, Nothing could force you, but let's say make me force myself to, to finally give the series a try. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what happens, but 
obviously it's it's nice to know something that's going to be on Ubisoft stage. I don't think actually that was the only game that leaked from from Ubisoft. We don't I don't have a story on it here, but I think there was some sort of roller derby game that's supposed Ooh. to be be coming. Uh, I never kind of seen myself I've wanting to play a video that. game about roller derbies, but as you know, in, as in roller roller skating. Yeah, is it yeah. You know, that real where they fast paced races around the place oh. on roller skates? Okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, <laughs> I don't know how to react <laughs> to that. that. That sounds maybe they're trying to catch on, like to be the new Tony Hawks or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it kind of at first when I read it, I was kind of like, "What?" But then I thought of like Steep and how like Ubisoft tried to do something different there. But so Steep you know, I, was I, very I don't, bad. I haven't actually played it. I haven't so. played it, but I imagine <laughs> I imagine it's not sold well. It was an interesting idea, though. But um, no, may, maybe it's it could be from the same studio for for all we know. So mm. it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I'm sure Ubisoft still have some some surprises. Hopefully, yeah. Splinter Cell, not to jinx it. Just um, yeah. <laughs> is that a surprise though? Uh, is the the surprise if it's not there? To be honest. <laughs> Uh, uh, that's true actually that would that would be that would be like the, the e3 news of the whole thing just dance 2020 is cancelled or delayed God. till next year or something i'd not like that <laughs> that'd it'd be fe- bizarre it'd, it'd feel weird without it to be honest it would it you know they're, they're gonna just start start ubisoft you know just this, this crazy dance show and you know i wonder if they'll they'll have a, a celebrity guest but no no we're, we're, I think we're, we've already given enough time to just answer it. <laughs> uh, we haven't. There'll be a lot more in the review. <laughs> yeah, d- definitely. But we're going to give a full play-by-play of the musical performance. You heard it here first. Um, but yeah, no, the, I mean, it, Watch Dogs 3 is just, just something to, to look forward to at, at Ubisoft's conference. And I'm, I'm sure hopefully if that, if that's anything to go by that, they, they'll have some, some good stuff to show. Yeah. Um, but moving on our fourth story again, well, most likely points to, to something that we're going to see at E3. It is divinity original sin studio teases new game signs point to boulders gate three. And this comes from Michael McWerther over at Polygon and Michael writes divinity original sin developer, Larry and studios started teasing a new project on its official website, a teaser that may have already given away the project signs point to Larian's next project being boulders gate three. While the website itself is coy about what the three logo could be, metadata discovered within a video file contains multiple references to Boulder's Gate 3, publisher Wizards of the Coast, and Dungeons and Dragons. Boulder's Gate is set in the Forgotten Realms Dungeons and Dragons campaign setting. The video file also contains the phrase, quote, gather your party, end quote, an oft-heard refrain from the original Boulder's Gate games. The revelation that Larian could be working on a new Boulder's Gate affirms a rumor from 2018. Last year, a member of the RPG Codex forums posted that Larian founder and CEO Sven Vinke had 
quote, acquired the Baldur's Gate license, end quote. With just days to go before E3 2019 and a long list of press conferences preceding it, it likely won't be long until we hear something concrete. In the meantime, we've reached out to Larian for comment and you can read, read the full story over on Polygon. So yeah, this is this is a Carl story. You know, this, this is something that jumped out to me. I loved the Baldur's Gate games. Now, more so the Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance games, which are kind of Diablo clones on on con that you could get on console. The original Baldur's Gate games were, were PC games, but I did play those. There was a friend of mine who was more of a PC gamer, and he loved these games. So I used to play them over at his house. I remember them being hard as balls as a kid not being able to get very far but you know they, they were crazy like there's just so many characters you could recruit the, the world seemed massive at the time you know your your characters there was kind of like a you know kind of similar to what you'd have in mass effect it's like a kind of good and bad but like the, the drawback here was if you got too bad certain characters would leave you not only would you leave you they might attack you and but same thing if you're bad and you could also be neutral, you know, which some people didn't like either. Like it was, it was, it was really complicated, a proper, you know, kind of in-depth isometric RPG with, with proper Dungeons and Dragons rules. But sadly, obviously when, when kind of the original studio went, went under and a lot of things happened, kind of Baldur's Gate got, got lost and, in among it and, and we weren't sure we were ever going to get another one and you know obviously divinity games that the original divinity and you know they are isometric rpgs and divinity original sin and its sequel have done really well across both pc and console so larian studios seems a really really good match for 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 boulders gate 3 which is why this news has, has stood out to me so much did have you ever played a boulders gate game guy I have not actually. I've not really even heard of. Uh, well, I've heard. I've heard the name Baldur's Gate. I'm, I'm, that's my familiarity with the franchise <laughs> at all. So, you, you mentioned a few key words there. You mentioned Mass Effect, which is a good sell. You mentioned Dungeons and Dragons type things. Uh, Diablo again. It's a franchise I've not played at all. Really strangely. Um, so what 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 are we expecting from this? Is this a uh, is this a game that can attract casuals, or would you say it's... Um, I know we don't have the details of Baldur's Gate 3, but in terms of the franchise, how, how would you how would you sell someone who is a gamer, but not familiar with the franchise, i.e. me? And is it a game that could attract casuals? I'm sure there'll be some people who, who listen to this and will play the odd big RPG, but may, maybe just usually play Call of Duty or something like that. How, how would you sell a Baldur's Gate to... To me and other people. Honestly, I I think we we probably have to see more on this. I mean, it, if it stays quite loyal to the original Baldur's Gate games, I'm not sure it's going to be for the for the casual or you know for for most gamers. I think it's going to be for fans of these isometric RPGs because you know they, these are turn based. Mm. PC isometric RPGs, they're they're a little slow, probably for some people's taste. Um, they're they're very deep. You know, I I think the 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 first few I keep going to say the original Divinity games, but that's probably confusing, seeing as the the more recent <laughs> ones are called Original Sin. Um, but the the older Divinity games were 
we're more in line with Baldur's Gate is. I think the original Sin is is more so like a a Baldur's Gate meets a Diablo almost, mm. um, which I think makes them a little more accessible. I know I have some friends who who spent over a hundred hours playing original sin who probably wouldn't have really dabbled in the original Baldur's Gate game. So I think if they decide to take Baldur's Gate three in the direction of, of divinity, original sin, and no reason why they wouldn't considering how well that game has performed, then I think it definitely could open it up to, to more people. But I, as I said, I, I think we just need to, to kind of see what's, what's happening there. But I, I'm excited. The, the idea that Larian have purchased the well supposedly acquired the rights to the Boulders Gate IP, and you know the, this could open it up to a, a Dark Alliance three, which to me would just be you know one of that's one of my dream games. I think there was a, a Dark Alliance three in in development at one point early stages, but it got cancelled when the the studio went under. So you know if that game was announced. You know, I, I think does me and a certain friend who who spent hours playing those games, it, it would just be dream material. You know, wet dream material. Even I'd go as far as saying so. You know, I'm 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 just intrigued by this to to see kind of what it brings and and what it could bring in the future. So this is definitely one of my games. I'll be looking forward to to seeing more of at E3. Hmm. Yeah, you've you've. You've so well. I'll say so all day. I need to see it first. Um, it, it's piqued my interest. Um, to to quote DiCaprio in uh, in uh, oh god, what's the film called? Django. You first had my interest. Now you have my attention. Uh, but yeah, I, I'll keep an eye on that because it does. It does sound like something that could be um, up my street, especially in terms of. I don't mind a turn-based game. I love the older um, Final Fantasies and stuff like that. But in terms of um, just having character relationships and stuff like that, I, I've always loved that aspect of... Well, I, I, everyone who's listening to this will understand my love affair for the first three Mass Effects. It's, it, I, I, I even like the uh, Andromeda. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it, it sounds like something that I'd probably like, but I might... After this, I might have to do a cheeky YouTube of um, of the first two, um, and I I I don't know why, but I, I think I had a free trial for um, a Div- Divinity Original Sin for uh, Xbox, and I never give it a go. But I've, I've seen that kicking about on Xbox. So once I play my hundred million games, I've not played. But the next news, Carl, that is why we're here. This is going to get time. Call of Duty. Reboot, Modern Warfare, Captain Price, Beard, Death and Killing and me playing Call of Duty again properly. That isn't Blackout, because Blackout pissing me off. But God, I want this game. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. 
Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, so I, th- I think I kind of summed it up. But, yes. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe Ryan McCaffrey over at IGN kind of pull, kind of fills it out a little more eloquently. So we'll, we'll, we'll go, go with his story. <laughs> um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare announced is a reboot and not a remaster or a sequel. And Ryan writes, developer Infinity Ward and publisher Activision has have announced 2019's Call of Duty game, which is called Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Yes, it's a reboot of the 2007 classic Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, as had been rumored. Not a Modern Warfare remaster, prequel, remake or sequel. What is the Call of Duty Modern Warfare reboot? The new Call of Duty Modern Warfare will feature returning characters like Captain Price, pause for Guy Cheer, woo! In a new ripped from the headlines single player campaign. It will also include a suite of PvP multiplayer modes as series tradition dictates, as well as, quote, an all new cooperative play mode featuring a collection of strategic co-op missions, end quote. The original Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare did already receive a remaster in the appropriately titled Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered. So once again, Call of Duty Modern Warfare is a new, completely different game, albeit with a similar title. What is Call of Duty Modern Warfare's release date? Call of Duty Modern Warfare will be released on October 25th, Activision has confirmed. Call of Duty Modern Warfare will feature cross-play, will not have a season pass, and is being developed in a brand new engine. Call of Duty Modern Warfare pre-order information is now available. Quote, this product is different. Studio head Dave Stoll told IGN. Quote, it's a real passion project for the studio. And quote, he added that the team is pivoting away from the futuristic sci-fi tilt that Call of Duty games have taken on in recent years and returning to its more realistic roots. Quote, this is a military sim. It's more about that kind of authentic experience, end quote. Don't miss our first look preview at the Call of Duty Modern Warfare campaign, which looks set to be at least as pro provocative as the controversial, quote, no Russian, end quote, mission in 2009's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. We also spoke to developers about the decision to reboot Call of Duty Modern Warfare. So, of course, you can, you can get that story over on IGN. Will there be a Call of Duty Modern Warfare season pass? Of particular note is that the new Modern Warfare will not feature a traditional season pass, so that 
As Activision notes, quote, the team can deliver more free maps and content as well as post-launch events to all players, end quote. Crossplay is also supported, quote, with the launch of Modern Warfare, the team is taking steps to unite the community, end quote, Activision added. Quote, first, the team plans for Modern Warfare to be played together across PC and console through cross-play support, end quote. The PC version will be fully optimized for PC and available through Blizzard's Battle.net. And you can get the, the full story over on IGN and also obviously see their, their preview on the campaign over there. But yeah, you know, as, as, as you alluded to, Guy, Captain Price is back in this new Modern Warfare reboot and... I, for one, could, could not be more excited, and I'm not sure I ever seen myself saying that about a Call of Duty again, but I, I guess that's what Infinity Ward can do when, it, when, when they do what they're best at. It's been so dead since Modern Warfare 2. So dead. And any of you black gimps out there, you, you don't know COD. COD 4 to 6 is the peak years. Not this Black Ops 2 bullshit. It, this is this is the king, and it's gonna be worse than the Russian airport mission that had a warning on it, and nobody ever took that warning. Everyone wanted that mission because it was mad as hell. Ah, God, yes, hook it to my veins. I can't wait. I'm going more northern. I can't wait. Oh <laughs> my God, I just I love it. I've I've not been this excited by. A cod and I was in school. This is, oh my god! PlayStation people are gonna get fucked up by Xbox people and all that jazz and all that. <laughs> oh, I I can't wait for this game. That oh, it's such a complaint about franchise Call of Duty because it's just make shit games, but it it needed this reboot and they've obviously restructured. Um, I think it's Sledgehammer who got taken out of rotation or put back a year in rotation or whatever the hell it was um yeah just infinity war modern warfare captain price yes have it have all my babies this is all i wanted from a game it was call of duty and we i've talked about my love of pokemon it, it's just because i haven't seen call of duty that much of call of duty yet we've only seen the little trailer where it doesn't really show much but i Yes, this this year, this Christmas period when these games come out, it's going to be one of the best years ever. And RDR2 was one of my most looked forward to games last year ever. Now I've got Pokemon, I've got COD coming back to what COD was, hopefully. Possibly other stuff like Cyberpunk and all that jazz, possibly this year, which is 50-50 or whatever. But there's only two games announced that I, oh, I can think of so far. And yes, I'm, I, this year's already tops for games. Obviously, we're in a bit of a barren spell at the minute and I'm struggling for stuff to play, but yes, just, I can't I can wait for the winter period of games. Something tells me guys excited about Call yes. of Duty. <laughs> yeah, no, as I said, I'm I'm really in for this as well. I, I find it funny that you, you mentioned Black Ops 2 because I, I think that was the the last Call of Duty game that I bought in and around when it came out. I think I bought it two, three months after it came out and I just couldn't get into it. I, I played the multiplayer for like a day with, with some online friends 
and that was the end of that. I tried to start the campaign, and I mean, I'd finished every console Call of Duty game up until that point. Um, generally, I'd, I'd most uh, I'd finish all the Infinity Ward ones on veteran because I love them and I like their kind of take on difficulty. Mm. Whereas Treyarch kind of go for a grenade spam. Uh, kind of approach which I oh, don't yes. like I, I don't think it's difficult I think it's just frustrating um, so generally with the, the the Treyarch ones it would be kind of more so finish them on hardened but um, I just I think Black Ops 2 I played like two missions and I was just like this is meh because I, I think Call of Duty had started to die for me with Black Ops 1 I, I thought kind of the, the campaign was a bit of a slog you know, because Modern Warfare 3 was ending a trilogy that I'd been really into, I, I picked it up on launch day, played the campaign, really enjoyed the campaign, dabbled with the multiplayer a little bit with friends, yeah. and then just sort of put it away in the box and never played it again. But I was I was happy with it. I enjoyed the end of the campaign, and it just kind of bummed me out that there probably wasn't going to be more of that because that, that kind of rounded it off, which which is why getting a reboot here is, is really exciting. And, and the fact that... You know, rather than having this this epic trilogy story about this little group of soldiers, it looks like with this one they're they're going to be kind of touching more so on on real life events. I've I've seen kind of quotes that you know say they're they're kind of taking things from the news and that kind of thing. And you know, if if you've looked at at some of the previews of the campaign that that people like Ryan McCaffrey have wrote up. You know, this seems like proper gritty, and there's talk like that that one of the missions involves a, a terrorist attack in a city. I think it's London. Could be wrong on that, but you know, you're the first responders, and and then you 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 end up in the the special forces, and you you kind of infiltrate the base of the terrorists. But it's not your usual that they're they're waiting on the corners with AKs. They're they're in like a room making plans for their next attack. There's there's women bringing drinks to them. There's, you know, when it all goes down, there's a woman reaches for a cod and you don't know if there's a baby in the cod or a gun in the cod and it seems you decide whether you want to shoot them or not. Like, this is proper tense stuff. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of complaints about this game, particularly from stupid parents who buy a, a game that's most likely going to be 18s for their child and then catch a glimpse of them playing scenes like this and then complain about uh, Activision releasing this this violent <laughs> game. But that's just how things are. But I mean, I am I I cannot wait for this campaign. I, I don't know how much multiplayer I'll bother playing, but I, I don't think that matters because th- this campaign just seems like it's going to be proper Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, you know, the, the, what we expect from an Infinity Ward campaign turned up to 10. And that's enough to sell me. As long as Captain Price is in it, of course. Yeah. Voice and all. Better off as the original voice. Like proper. Proper. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they, they, he does. He does. He yes. does from the trailer. You he 100% does. You slag. <laughs> oh, um, God. Yeah, sorry. Go on. No, no, uh, to, to touch on the multiplayer stuff, though, I do think it is notable that it's going to have cross-play. That's a, a topic we love to discuss. <laughs> but it, it's the first AAA title. No, no offense to, to Fortnite. Obviously, Fortnite is a massive game, but it's a, it's a free-to-play game. It's not a AAA traditional game. 
this is and it's going to presumably have crossplay across Xbox, PlayStation and PC. You know, so that that's that's massive. That's I think it's it's going to be a trendsetter. I'm sure now every every game we see announced after this point, you know, whenever a new Battlefield comes out, or you know, when Ubisoft announced their next Rainbow Six or whatever, that they're all going to be crossplay from from this moment on. Obviously, I'd say it's too late to kind of patch it into to a game like mm. Destiny 2 or The Division 2 because they're already out and the kind of games they are but I'm sure Destiny 3 will probably have crossplay, and I think Call of Duty is going to set that trend and, and it's fitting that Call of Duty would being that Call of Duty is, is probably still the, the daddy when it comes to these kind of games so to speak um, so I, I think that's that's something interesting and the other thing obviously is is no season pass which is a strange Ooh. move. Usually Call of Duty love to milk you for map packs and zombie packs and, and all this kind of thing. So it's it's pretty cool that they're just going to release some free maps and updates and and that kind of thing. I mean, you're, you're probably likely to play more of the multiplayer than, than I am, Guy. I mean, what, what do these two bits of news say to you? Um, Pretty encouraging, really, because, again, as, as you mentioned, COD and... Well, all, all of the COD people, uh, Activision, um, they love, um, they they love them. They love money. a Mac pack. Yes, they love money. Yes, <laughs> yes, they love milking us dry. Um, so yeah, the the lack of season pass, well, unless there's something even more sinister at play. <laughs> but yeah, the lack of season pass is very good, I suppose, um, because the well, it it just means you can't buy something that's already unfinished and uh, it might turn out to be shit or something like that. So hopefully that that means there'll be more free maps. Um, and <clears throat> I'm not sure how the numbers compare to whatever whatever other games um, there are, but with Call of Duty, obviously from our personal experiences, we've not really played them much for this, what, last decade or so, last nine years, I can't remember when Modern Warfare 2 was, um, but yeah, I haven't really played it since Modern Warfare 2, which I think was like 2009, 2010 ish so, um, yeah, it, 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 for multiplayer has really dwindled um, for me, and yeah, having free stuff in there, it's just very good, unless they're going to do like a battle pass thing, if, the, if they have a, another battle royale, we've mentioned crossplay, we have to mention, <laughs> we have to mention a battle royale, it wouldn't be the same, <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it'd be interesting to see if they do like a battle pass type thing, which obviously they introduced with Blackout on uh, the most recent one, um, so yeah, it, it's just very good, but in terms of the, in terms of the multiplayer, I, this is probably the first one where it'll interest me. Um, my mates will not make me play Search and Destroy because I hate Search and Destroy. Um, team Deathmatch for life. Um, but yeah, I just really, really looking forward to this. Really am. Um, next bit of news. Um, we probably weren't expecting a, a announcement before E3, but we did. We get in confirmation that... Um, uh, well, we're getting Avengers at E3. And they've released, well, some stuff's been leaked about how it looks like it's going to be Destiny-ish. That's, that's a good way to, to describe it. 
Uh, yeah, so there's a whiff of destiny about Square Enix's Marvel's Avengers, and this comes from Wesley Yin Poole over at Eurogamer. A listing for Marvel's Avengers at E3 has provided us with the first gameplay details for the title, and it sounds a bit like Tomb Raider developer Crystal Dynamics is building its take on the Destiny formula. Twitter user Evan Falarka spotted a listing Marvel's Avengers at the E3 Coliseum event, and it mentioned continuous single-player and cooperative gameplay for up to four players. The listing has since been updated to remove this detail. Bungie's Destiny game, first described as a shared-world shooter, revolves around co-op play, although there's a campaign you can also play solo, public space events you can complete by yourself, and player versus player modes. Interestingly, the E3 Coliseum listing also mentions you can, quote, customize your heroes to fit your playstyle, end quote, in Marvel's Avengers. Does this mean you can customize superheroes such as Spider-Man and Iron Man and take them out for a spin, or does it mean the game sees the player create and control their own superheroes ripe for customization? My money's on the latter. Here's the listing in full, quote, embrace your powers and join key members of the development team at Crystal Dynamics and the creative team at Marvel Games as they talk exclusively about the upcoming Marvel's Avengers. This is the defining Avengers gaming experience, an epic action adventure that combines cinematic storytelling with a continuous single player and cooperative gameplay. Moderated by Andrea Rene. Assemble in teams up to four players, master extraordinary abilities, customize your heroes to fit your playstyle, and combine powers to defend an ever-expanding world under constant threat, end quote. Square Enix has been quiet on its Avengers game for some time, but it's finally ready to pull back the curtain at E3 in June. The reveal is set for Square Enix's E3 live event on the 10th of June at 6pm specific. That's 2am on the 11th here in the UK. And the link there, or the, the full story can be read over on Eurogamer. So yeah, we, we speculated, Guy, in our E3 preview that this game either had to be revealed at Square Enix's show or that the project would be dead. And it, it seems it's the former that it is going to be revealed at the show. And obviously this leak has given a bit away, but it looks like we're getting a superhero destiny. What, what do you think of that idea? It sounds perfect. <laughs> it's just whether it Destiny gets a lot of shit, but there is a lot of fine gameplay stuff behind Destiny because behind the possible lack of story or whatever, the gameplay is very solid. And if if this is kind of a Destiny clone with a Dest- with a um, Marvel skin, maybe a bit cheap and a bit. Um, bit of a crap way of making a game but it's probably the best way of making a game like that because you can't really top Destiny without Destiny I suppose so yeah why not and how heavily um, integrated the big characters are whether they're just people who are part of the story it'll be the most interesting thing for me actually is making your own character because if you make a fresh hero, and there's a certain amount of classes where you can, I don't know, say if you can pick from a speedster, a, a strength person, some Batman motherfucker. <laughs> I know Marvel, but yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it just that's what intrigues me. Unless you are literally 
locked in as like Iron Man and you can put a different coloured suit on and that would kind of be a bit shit I suppose but I, I think a game like this the limit um, the the imagination with it is endless you can go anywhere with it in a Marvel universe and I think this this game I think this game needs to be a success almost as much as Spider-Man did because Spider-Man was obviously the first one but we've seen good Spider-Man games before whereas with this one it's integrating loads of characters I think this needs to be a proper success and I think this one kind of needs to attract um I think Spider-Man did attract casuals but it, it I think it needs to have a a constant gameplay, whereas Spider-Man probably doesn't have a lot of replayability, replayability, if you get what I mean. So I think Marvel, Disney, Square will want a a living player base, if you get what I mean. I, that, that was a very long-winded answer for that. But yeah, I think they need a, a living game, if you get what I mean. Yeah, no, I, I definitely get where you're coming from. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense for Square Enix as well, because they're one of the few companies that, don't really have one of these kind mm. of games. I know they have Final Fantasy XIV, which is an MMO, and obviously MMOs inspired these games, so you could say they've been there a long time before any of the, the, the others were, but at the same time, MMOs don't appeal to everyone. I, I think these kind of games, these MMO lights, as some people call them, sort of appeal to a lot more people than a traditional MMO might. And you know, of course, if you're adding in superheroes, it's it's going to 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 even more so appeal to the masses. And I think the the thing a lot of people speculating on this Avengers product was what it was going to be. I mean, uh, people just assume, oh, it's just going to be a you know a, a third person action adventure title where you play as a selection of the Avengers. But I think as time went on, people started to question, like, is that enough in this day and age? You know, it's, you know, let's say pe- people were thinking around Tomb Raider because obviously that's what Crystal Dynamics are, are, are known for, and we're thinking, oh, well, we'll get like a Tomb Raider type, somewhat open world third person game where you you can swap between the Avengers but I'm not sure that would have been enough in in this day and age because you know as you pointed Spider-Man how great a game is that is but that game focuses on Spider-Man it makes it great to play as Spider-Man you, you feel like you, you are Spider-Man but that's a lot harder to do when you're playing as four or five or six different characters you know it could just be well Playing as Thor feels mediocre. Playing as Iron Man feels mediocre. It just, I, I don't think that would be what this game needs to be, especially after it taking being so long in the oven. I think they really need something special. And these games are quite popular. Sometimes they get a bit of flack. Obviously, Fallout 76 and um, Anthem being particular recent games that that got a lot of stick but i think if they're done well like a destiny you know that the press is generally more positive than the negative and i think we haven't had a game like this before with marvel where you can kind of create your own superhero and kind of get about and interact with characters in the world and that's what i assume is going to happen here so I'm in, you know, I've been, if this is what it is and it looks well done, I've been waiting for a new game like this since Destiny 2 went a bit stale, you know, the, as I said, Anthem and Fallout kind of didn't do it, Division 2 sounded good, but Division 1 
didn't really keep my interest. So I've been waiting for something and I thought I might have to wait for Destiny 3, which, which could be another few years off. So this is perfect for me as a Marvel fanboy if they do it right. You know, I'm, I'm skeptical until I see it and get a good in-depth look at it and what it's all about. But I'm really interested in it. And, you know, I, I'm assuming, considering that Crystal Dynamics are a quality developer, that they're going to do this game justice. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they have. Yeah, that that's the thing with it. I think some games you look at and just go, they're going to definitely be a success. And this one, you're like, this could either be the biggest thing in gaming for, for a bloody long while, considering the power of a Marvel franchise, or it could possibly be one of the, one of the biggest letdowns ever. Because, well, we know what they're doing with the Star Wars thing over on a year. Marvel's had the first first success with um, Sony and Insomniac. This is quite a big moment for um, for Marvel and Disney with with their games because th- this is the one that keep keeps the money rolling in. Whereas obviously Spider Man, whatever game they bring out uh, is Spider Man two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, twenty million. That that'll sell, but it'll only sell once. Whereas this this will this will sell years after it launches if it keeps evolving. So yeah, this is quite a big moment. A big moment for that. Um, but on to, um, well, some people will love love this and some people may not because they won't have had it. But Sega has announced um, more games for their uh, mini console. And yeah, why don't you talk us through some of them? Yeah, so this comes from Chris Plante over on Polygon. Sega Genesis Mini, all 42 games coming to the tiny console. Sega confirmed on Tuesday the final 12 games that will be included in the Sega Genesis Mini, bringing the total roster to 42, two more than originally planned. The last dozen games include two rival puzzle games, two notorious fighting games, and a brand new port of an arcade classic. Darius is the biggest surprise. The 1987 arcade game famously spread a shoot 'em up action across three screens it inspired numerous sequels many of which were recently collected in darius cosmic collection released on nintendo switch in japan the darius port for sega genesis mini is entirely new and will run on a single tv screen the list also includes the sega genesis versions of virtual fighter 2 and eternal champions ea cult hit road rush 2 and Capcom's side-scrolling action platformer Strider. For me, the real standouts on the list are the once-great puzzle game rivals Columns and Tetris. Here are the 12 newly announced additions to the Sega Genesis Mini. Tetris, Darius, Virtua Fighter 2, Alicia Dragoon, Monster World 4, Kid Chameleon, Road Rush 2, Eternal Champions, Columns, Dynamite Heady, Strider, and Light Crusader. And here's the full list of Sega Genesis mini-games, including the newly announced additions to its roster. Sonic the Hedgehog, Echo the Dolphin, Castlevania Bloodlines, Space Harrier 2, Shining Force, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, Toejam & Earl, Comic Zone, Altered Beast, Gunstar Heroes, Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse, World of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck, Thunder Force 3, Super Fantasy Zone, Shinobi 3, Streets of Rage 2, Earthworm Jim, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Contra Hard Corps, Landstalker, Mega Man the Wily Wars, Street Fighter 2 Special Champion Edition, 
Ghosts and Go- Go- uh, Ghouls and Ghosts, Alex Kidney, Enchanted Castle, Beyond Oasis, Golden Axe, Fantasy Star 4, The End of the Millennium, Sonic the Hedgehog, Spinball, Vector Man, Wonder Boy and Monster World, Tetris, Darius, Road Rush 2, Strider, Virtual Fighter 2, Alicia Dragoon, Kid Chameleon, Monster World 4, Eternal Champions, Columns, Dynamite Heady, and Light Crusader. And the Sega Genesis Mini will be released on September 19th. You can read the full story over on Polygon. Yeah, so this is another Carl story. I'm re- I love these mini consoles, and to me, this is probably going to be the best one. You know, a lot of people kind of sighed when this was first announced. I mean, for, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it was originally going to be made by At Games, who have made previous Sega mini consoles, which were awful. And people thought, what was the point? But then Sega took that criticism on board, scrapped the idea to do it with At Games, and announced that they, they were having someone else handle hardware development. And the M2, who are a notorious developer for for porting classic games to to newer systems would would be handling emulation and and that's then when i think people started to to get more interested and the other thing as well as that games haven't done previous kind of poor consoles there's also been numerous sega collections on on previous consoles i mean i think i have one for psp for ps2 for xbox 360 and most recently for PS4, and generally it's the same sort of games, rinse and repeat. It's the the Streets of Rage, the Sonics, the Golden Axes, the Fantasy Stars, the Shining Force, which are all awesome games. Um, you know, obviously people aren't knocking those games, but the point is people are are pointing out we already have those games. But that seems to be yet another criticism that Sega have have taken on board, and they have gone above and beyond with this game list i mean i think they decided to announce them in kind of four parts and each part kind of had a mix of maybe four or five games that we would have seen on the previous consoles obviously as you see in that list i went through you've, you've got your sonic you've got your golden axe you've got your street rage too but they've gone out to go and get games that aren't on these collections games that unless you have the cartridge and some of these games are quite rare, you probably never got a chance to, to play. They've, they've gone to to um, to the third parties to get these games. I mean, obviously, Mega Man The Wily Wars, which is kind of a collection of, I think, the first three Mega Man games from the NES, kind of ported to the Genesis, uh, which I don't even think that game came out in America. I think it was only available here and, and in Japan. Uh, you, you've got things like Castlevania Bloodlines, and you know it, it's they've really Castle of Illusion. You know, obviously they, they went to Disney and, and got the license there to get a Mickey Mouse game on this thing. And I, I think with the final kind of sledge of games, people kind of expected it would be the same. They get maybe four or five common games that you get on all these things, and then. A handful of surprises but they really went out of their way with those those final games there while there is some like columns and kid chameleon that that people will have on these collections you know road rash 2 which is something i personally 
that was on my wish list for this final list of games. So as soon as I seen that, I was like, well, I was already sold on it, but I, I was even more sold. And like the the two bonus games, if if you have like Tetris, technically Sega released that game in Japan, but I think there was only like maybe a hundred of them released, and then Sega had to like recall them. And then pretended it didn't exist because obviously Nintendo owned the rights to the console version of of Tetris. I think Sega had the rights to make arcade and, and you know, most of the Tetris games you'll see in arcades were made by Sega, but but Nintendo had the console. It's kind of just a weird kind of way the licensing worked for that, you know, that that's the Russian government for you. And Darius, which obviously is a brand new game, now it's it's quite it's not quite Star Fox 2 that that we got on the the SNES, but it, it's still cool to get a kind of an unreleased like a brand new game for the console on on this mini thing. So you know, I I, I credit Sega because they they really I don't know if they plan to have these rare and kind of interesting games from the offset, you know, but at least in terms of like the developer and the, the production of the console they they re, they listened to fan feedback and they've gone and and it seems made this the best it can be so i say credit to them and and for me as i said in my opinion at least on paper this seems better than the nintendo mini consoles were and, and that's in a lot because they were they were awesome i mean what about you guy does does this appeal to you earthworm jim what a game that was. <laughs> uh, Sega um, Mega Drive was my first console, but I was very, very, very young. So I only remember playing Sonic and Echo the Dolphin. And um, I just realized I said Echo and my Amazon Echo's gone off. Hello. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, Sonic, is all, it's always been an easy sell for me. I, I love the Sonic game. Echo the Dolphin. Um I think that's the first game that pissed me off, <laughs> which is a big milestone, first of many. Um, Earthworm Jim, I don't think I played it on Sega. I might have a little bit, but I can't really remember that. I think I played it on... Um, oh, God, I can't remember what I played it on. If it was out on Game Boy, I probably played it on that. If not, probably on PlayStation or something. Um, but, yeah, Earthworm Jim, I, I remember playing um, somewhere so yeah there's, there's quite a few here but I, I've always I grew up um, PlayStation era more than anything I didn't never really had the Nintendo so those mini mini consoles never really interested me but this one unless it's stupidly expensive but whatever th- this one will interest me because I think even though I was really young, just having that as your first memory, as the Sega being your first console, it, it means something. So it's something that will interest me. Although I've not really, I'm not really familiar with any, um, many of the, um, of the franchises or games. I, I, I'd love to be able to go back on Echo the Dolphin and, and get pissed right back at it. <laughs> just be straight up pissed off with it. But yeah, it, it'd be something. If it's not stupidly expensive, I'll definitely, I'll probably pick up because. Why not? Why wouldn't you pick up something that was a part of your childhood? And my mum threw away my Mega Drive. The bastard. <laughs> bastard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did. First, first gaming memories was on a was on a Sega console. So yeah, I'd I'd, like, I'd love to pick it up. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that. I mean, I think kind of your kind of relationship to the to the 
Sega Genesis is kind of like mine to the to the original Nintendo. I mean, because I was very young when my brothers had the original Nintendo, so I've very basic memories of of playing like Super Mario Brothers three and a couple of other games. I think um, Double Dragon was another one, you know. But when the the Nintendo Mini came out, nonetheless, I I picked it up because you know it was it was just it was almost like just trying to see if I could rekindle more memories of that console, kind of more of my kind of early childhood memories. Whereas when the the Super Nintendo one came out, that was my first console that I owned personally. And I, I spent hundreds of hours playing the thing. And obviously I was a bit older then, so I, it, I kind of retained the memories more so. Uh, so that was kind of a, a different experience for me um but the the sega genesis was another thing i i had it you know again my brothers had it when i was very young and then you know when i was a little older a neighbor lent us their sega genesis and he had like a massive collection he had games there's games he had that i played that i can't even remember what they were called and i watch a lot of youtube and read a lot on, on kind of retro games so that's saying a lot that i still haven't kind of identified what are some of these games I played on on his Sega where um but you know I'm I'm as I said from the very as, as soon as I knew M2 were handling emulation for this and I seen the first batch of games I was probably sold on this at that point but now like I'm I'm 100% sold on this because it's it's just it's it, you know I am a little disappointed on the one hand that certain games that did appear on previous collections aren't on this namely alien storm and and shining force 2 but at the same time as i already alluded to i have those games like four or five times over on other collections so i don't really need them again so it's cool that there's some things here like light crusader and uh, alicia dragoon that i've never gotten to play that i'm finally going to get a chance to play so i mean i i'm excited for this and i, I know there's it's going to be some of our listeners out there that that, that feel much the same on this one. So it's, it's definitely one to, to watch and can look forward to, to when it comes out on, on September 19th. Not too long away at this point. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, it'd be interesting to see how much it costs and stuff like that, actually, which I imagine will be released closer to the day. Uh, I think it already is. It? I think it's £60. Is that it? Ooh. Which you know, it's it's in Ooh. and around what the the um the place or the the uh, Nintendos were obviously had that PlayStation that was like eighty pound and then got dropped down to like thirty pound within a couple of months because it was awful, but I'm sure this <laughs> this won't follow in in its uh, footsteps. I was expecting it to be more than that. I will be buying one, <laughs> um, unless they're. Uh... There's not a lot of them like there was with Nintendo and everyone scrambled for one. Um, but yeah, I'll be getting one of them, definitely. Why not? Um, why the hell not? Um, so yeah, I think that's um, the news finished, uh, which, as usual, takes up all the show, but that, that was our main topic. Um, but as we always cover, um, what have you been playing in, in the gap between our last pod and E3 to come? I think on the last pod i mentioned i'd kind of dabbled with um rise um on the xbox one uh, i've since finished that you know it was, it was a it's an okay game you know i knew going into it 
what to expect but it was kind of i knew it would probably be a short game and i just wanted to play something fairly short and, and something somewhat mindless and you know i i enjoyed it you know it was it's it's really what you expect i wasn't expecting it to to, to set the world alight um i not sure it's a game I'd recommend, perhaps because it, it, you know, with the, the amount of games to try to play these days, and there's definitely games that are much higher quality. But you know, it, it was it was something different. Um, you know, it's it's uh, I enjoyed the, the the little time I spent with it. Um, on top of that, I tried a bit of Sunset Overdrive which I couldn't really get into. I know people said it was like the the inspiration for Spider-Man and you could see a lot of it in Spider-Man. And I, I think you can definitely see maybe some early ideas that, that probably led to things in Spider-Man. But I think the comparisons to Spider-Man probably hyped it up a little bit too much for me because it was a bit of a letdown when I went into it. I'm not saying it's a bad game. I think if I didn't have so much to play and, you know, if if I'd gotten this game when I was younger and had less games, it would definitely be something that I, I, I would spend more time with. But now I, I'm just not sure there was enough there really to keep my interest. So when that didn't really work out, I jumped into We Happy Few, which had been a game I'd been waiting to play for a while. And when I seen it was on Game Pass, I thought, why the hell not? Downloaded it, started playing it. And it's a mixed bag. I think there's some great ideas and I'm really looking forward to what this studio has coming next. Hopefully we see that at a Microsoft show at E3 next week and, and we see what, what, the, what they've got in the, in the pipeline um, because Compulsion Games, clearly a talented studio that have a lot of great ideas, but because they were an independent studio when they made We Happy Few, I think it was actually a Kickstarter game, Definitely can see there was a budget limitation there, and that causes a lot of, of problems. I mean, firstly, NPCs. I think there's maybe a handful of palettes for NPCs, and then they're just repeated. And like some areas, that's kind of hidden better. But like in the, the well-to-do areas, there's like just one model for old ladies and sometimes you can have like three or four of the same old lady on screen. In fact, there is a side mission where you break into a house and it's just full of these old ladies that all look the same, which is just ridiculous. And they tried to kind of give the people different names, but at one point I had three cops walking behind me and two of them were named the exact same thing, (laughs) which is just a bit ridiculous. And then obviously inevitably there's a lot of glitches and sometimes the glitches can be hilarious like you'll be in combat with someone and they'll just decide to give up and walk away and then you just punch them in the back of the head and fall over or like i was in a house trying to to farm a trophy and this guy came up and disturbed me and i just was like god I better just knock him out and then i punched pushed him to break his guard so that I could punch him. And instead, I pushed him directly through the wall and he ended up just standing on the windowsill outside the house, but he couldn't get back in. <laughs> He's just standing on a windowsill staring in at me. So I was like, this is hilarious. Like, and, and there's a lot of things like, like that have happened. Like in, at one point, one of the old ladies walked through the wall into to 
my character's house and like in that part of the story something was setting on fire so the old lady happened to just walk into the fire and just set a light and start screaming and running around like it's, it's like but while some of those glitches are quite entertaining and funny and don't at all break the game others you know kind of can make things very frustrating like mean you have to repeat certain missions through no fault of your own or it might spoil some trophies on it for example i've been trying to go for kind of a pacifist role and not killing people but there's a glitch where sometimes you'll you'll go to 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 put someone in a sleeper hold and they'll just drop dead suddenly and then you might not have saved it for like an hour and you might just have to quit the game and reload it because it spoils the the achievement on you it's it's just it's it's a shame that these kind of glitches and, and limitations hold the game back because there are some brilliant ideas. I mean, as far as a kind of BioS, Bioshock-esque game, and no one jump on that and say I'm saying this game is as good as Bioshock. It definitely isn't. But it, as far as games that are inspired by Bioshock go, it's got some cool ideas, and I'm interested to see what Compulsion Games can do with Microsoft money behind them and, and a bit more kind of the resources and the the support to make kind of a, a top triple a game what about you guy what have you been playing um quite a bit actually um i finally finished the witcher free dlc um Ooh. yes i've already promised it for about a million pods what a game what a fucking DLC. That must be up there with some of the best. Um, Blood and Wine, that is. Heart of Stone's really good as well. But Blood and Wine, it's, it's a whole new game in itself. The story is all right. It's it's not as compelling as the, as the, uh, as the uh, main game, and, and probably I, I don't think it's as compelling as uh, uh, Stone as well. Heart of Stone, but yeah, just in terms of the, the world it creates and adds in quite a lot of new characters and stuff like that, I, I thought it was really, really good. Um, Blood and Wine, it, it just, it, it again, it just confirms for me the best game of this gen. Um, people will have the God of Wars and the RDRs, but I think Witcher tops them all my, myself. Um, I'd agree. Mm, good man, good man. And um, what else have I been? Playing, playing Forza Horizon. F- I can't remember what number it is four. I think <laughs> the London, the uh, Edinburgh one. Um, re- really good game. Um, for what it is, obviously racing games have its own limitations and stuff like that. But I really enjoyed it. Um, obviously enjoyed the setting of of, of Scotland and stuff like that. It's quite versatile and different with with how it's set up. Um and and these games, the only other one I've played that's comparable is probably the crew, and and Fours is just in a different league to the crew because the crew, I just said the crew, not John Crew, the crew was uh <laughs> was not very good. I haven't played the sequel of that. Maybe if it comes to games of gold, I will. But yeah, Fours is just on a different level to um the crew, which is the only one I've the only other one I've played to that. Um. I've nearly, I think I've nearly, um, I, I'm in the process of finishing um, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, um, if that's the full title. Obviously, um, Ninja Theory, one of Xbox's uh, new studios, and I, I thought I'd, this game, I'd play this game, considering it was on Game Pass, and it's obviously got quite a lot of fanfare, and I've not finished it yet. Um, 
I did put the difficulty down because it has a hard reset on it if you die so many times, and I was not having that bullshit. <laughs> so I, I've I've put it down on easy. After I think I'm I must be about three quarters of the way through. I'm on like the trials of Odin bit or whatever the hell it's called. Um, so yeah, that is a really good game, and the sound manipulation, if that's the right term for it, is ju- it's just. It's so bloody interesting, that game, and it just really makes me intrigued and almost expectant of what Ninja Theory can do with with bigger backing, obviously, from Microsoft. So I'm I'm really looking forward to what they bring out because, obviously, the Norse, Norse mythology and stuff instantly just goes God of War. So if they, whether they stick with that or whatever, um, it, it just I'm just really looking forward to see what they can do because... Maybe the combat's a bit basic, bitch, but everything around it is, I think, is really good. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to see what Ninja Fury can do. And what uh, I think that's it, really. But I know you finished um, Senua's Sacrifice. Are you looking forward to what they can do? Yeah, definitely. I think I remember saying it at the, the time when we, we talked about Microsoft acquiring the studio. Um, you know, m- much like as I said, and even more so because let's be honest, uh, you know, to no offense to, to to Compulsion Games, but I think Hellblade is a lot more polished a game than We Happy Few. But you know, they're a very talented studio, and as Hellblade may be a small kind of game. And, you know, it, it as you said, that the combat is simplistic and that kind of thing. But nonetheless, it, it is an excellent game in its own right. It's, it's one of the, probably among one of my favorite games that I've played um, in this generation, particularly when it comes to indie games. So I'm really excited to, to kind of see what, um, what, what they've got coming here next basically with, with Microsoft I mean I think Phil Spencer said there recently that they've, they've got something like 14 first party games or mm. something crazy like that so I wouldn't be surprised if the next games from these studios are among those and that we'll get to see them in, in just a few days which is, is really exciting I mean Microsoft knew what they were doing when they picked up these particular studios the, these are top studios they aren't you know, they're, they're, they're not like, it's not just a case of let's pick up who we can, that this is, this is let's pick up who we know can produce quality games that can rival what Nintendo and, and, and Sony have coming from their first parties. And that is, that, that is what they've done here. And, and that is exciting for us because, you know, the good games coming from, the, the, the consoles is I mean some people think of kind of quality exclusives as a bad thing because it's like, you know it's it's forcing me to, to have to get more than one console but you know I, I don't see it that way I, I see it as a, a positive and you know if they, these companies can give me a reason to pick up their consoles then it's just it's on me to to figure out the finances so that it, it can happen but you know, we will do it if there's good games there. But if there's no good games there, then then what's the point? And I, I think Microsoft noticed that they kind of left things a little slim 
for the current gen and have to rely on services and that kind of thing to, to push their consoles. But they look, it seems they're definitely coming back strong the next gen. And I just really can't wait to see what these studios have. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Um, so we will finish up there. Um, if you're listening to this and you've you've survived all of it and you actually are listening to the plugs, hello. <laughs> but uh, uh, obviously, the thing for to plug from us, we obviously did the more in depth previews, which is in two parts. I will I'll um I'll retweet them uh, when when this goes out as well. Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining me, Carl, and thanks for everyone listening. Goodbye. <laughs>